Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Daily Premier League news and views. This is Football Social Daily. Chaos in the cup. A nine-goal thriller at Goodison saw Everton dump Spurs out. How damaging is that for trophy-hunting Jose Mourinho? Manchester City won their 15th game in a row in all competitions. That's never been done before. Can anyone stop them right now? And Leicester escaped an extra 30 minutes against Brighton with a late winner and the Blades edged past Bristol City. Goals were scored and records tumbled in the FA Cup fifth round last night and we aren't done there either. Chelsea, Wolves and Southampton all in action tonight and we'll assess another mad midweek of football here on Thursday's Football Social Daily. I'm Niall and today with me to go through it all we've got Marley Anderson. Hi Marley. Hello boys, how are we doing? Very, very well. And Callum Tyler's also here. How are you doing, Callum? Hello, I'm good, thanks. Happy days, nice one. Okay, time to talk football and specifically the FA Cup. Uh, an all-Premier League affair at Goodison Park last night. Nine goals scored in the game between Everton and Tottenham. 5-4 it finished to Everton, who managed to secure the fifth, which was eventually the winner, in extra time. And Carlo Ancelotti's reaction to <laughs> the fifth goal going in was absolutely brilliant. He just... Blew on his espresso to uh, cool it down a little bit and just carried on his business. Uh, I love Carlo Ancelotti. Um, I thought this was a really fun game, as the scoreline suggests, Callum. I think this will go down as a bit of a, a contemporary cup classic. But talking about Ancelotti, do you think that Everton spirit to keep going when Tottenham had pegged them back and find that winner, do you think that would have been there in the Javi Grazia days and kind of pre-Ancelotti? This was a brilliant game, wasn't it? I mean, I, I don't think this game happens in the league with these two teams. Um, I think they both played it like it was a proper cup game. To answer your question on Ancelotti, I think I think that's, that's probably a correct assessment. I think... Um, the way they've been playing recently, the, the the sort of team spirit that's there, the fact that they all seem to know their roles and they work really hard for each other. And yeah, they did make loads of defensive mistakes, but they did keep going. It it had all the all the markers of, of a team who, you know, Ancelotti has been able to to get into their psyches a wee bit and, and really he's he's 
he's a man manager more than he is like an expert tactician and he's really really good with players and their personalities and I think I think that's that was on show tonight uh, last night in spades so yeah I think you're absolutely right yeah it was a really fun game an exciting game and you know plenty of goals and you know I think there's a quote going around on social media Marley about something Jose Mourinho said 15 years ago where 5-4 is a hockey score and that if that ever <laughs> happened in training in attack versus defence he'd send the defenders back inside uh, and bring them back out again because that's not the way to defend well, Jose, <laughs> I know it's taken 15 years, but um, they did concede five goals last night, Tottenham. And kind of in the context of what I was saying uh, earlier on, how will Spurs feel about getting knocked out of the cup? Obviously, it's not nice to get knocked out, but effectively, that's the whole reason Jose was brought to the club, was to win them trophies and then to fall in the fifth round of the cup, albeit to a, a decent Premier League side. It, you know, you've got to hold your hands up and say Everton played well. But still, considering that was his remit, it, it must sting a little bit for him. Yeah, I think it will. Um, I've been saying for years that Spurs just need to win something. Just just win anything. Like Go for every cup you can because the the mental impact I think it'll have on the club will be massive. Um, even if they win you know, the League Cup and they beat flipping Watford in the final or something like that, it doesn't matter. Just try and go for something and try and win something. But, you know, they've, they've been close um, at times and in true Spurs style, not doing anything easily, the closest thing they've ever been close to winning is the bloody Champions League. So they're trying to do things the hard way. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's one of them things last night, I think, you know, it was a freak game, you know, that as, as Callum said, that would probably never happen in the league, you know, they'd be much more pragmatic about it and probably be a much tighter game. Uh, you look at it in a nil-nil or a one-nil probably to, to either side, but you know they were they were all over the place last night defensively, but ev- both both teams were amazing in attack. It was like a attack versus defense, mm. almost like a basketball game. You you go and have an attack, and then we go and have an attack. I think Spurs nearly took the lead inside mm. a minute. Well, they were um, in front within and three, then, and then they did in th- mm. after three minutes. Yeah, so but after that, Spurs are probably thinking, oh, we'll, we'll hammer these because they're not up for it, um, and how wrong they were because it was it was a great game. Um, but yeah, it's it's another chance for for Spurs to uh, to win something because they are capable of winning tournaments as as we know whether they, whether it's the FA Cup or the the League Cup um, or the, well, I suppose they are they do have a shot with the Premier League at the start of every season, but they seem to to just fall away, and that's that will great on Mourinho because he's he's someone that always clings on to his. Uh, his cup record of bringing silverware to wherever wherever he goes. Aside from the win against West Brom in the Premier League recently, Callum, it's not been a good run of form for Tottenham and that cloud of negativity which we've spoken about more than once on this podcast that's kind of followed Jose around for the last few seasons at the last few clubs he's been at. People always say, oh, it's that third season with Mourinho where after the euphoria of him coming in and the enigma has kind of settled down a bit, then those cracks start to appear. But it's it's not even been a, a full season that he's been in charge of Tottenham yet. And already some people are starting to say, well, there are those signs. There are those negative clouds, that, that ill feeling around the club. I mean, like I say, just aside from that West Bromwich Albion win in the Premier League, their form is looking pretty poor. So, you know, how concerning will last night's result be for Tottenham in a more wider context, do you think? I think it, it won't do anything to do, to dispel the negativity that's there. You, you talk about Mourinho having this sort of three-year cycle and it, and it is it is something that people say in that third year, the cracks start to appear. When that starts to happen, what Mourinho does is one of the signs 
as he starts blaming everybody else apart from himself. So he'll blame the players or the, you know, the referees or the media or whatever it is. And, and he's starting to talk in that kind of language a wee bit. Um, he was pretty scathing about his his defenders um, and how they shouldn't be doing anything like that last night after his in his press conference. I think there's there's something about him at Tottenham where I think the the cracks have started to appear sooner because I actually don't think it's probably a very good fit of a club for him given the the people above him and the the sort of the players there as well you know he's got he's got Daniel Levy who's kind of like no other chairman and he's also got a, a set of players that that do seem to suffer from these like bouts of like just they just break down under pressure sometimes um, and they still have that you know monkey on their back with the trophy it just it seemed like almost an impossible job and and I think it's uh, it's another example of coming really close to something great but just you know spursing it up at the last minute I don't think Tottenham have got enough leaders I don't know whether you boys agree with that or not and I'm sure that there'll be plenty of Tottenham fans listening who will disagree with what I've said like they have done all season when it comes to Tottenham and everything that I seem to say but I just don't think there's enough leaders in that Tottenham group Marley I mean Harry Kane leads by example Son leads by example with the way that they play the game and the goals and the assists and just the general attitude towards the game that that can be construed as leadership but in terms of someone in the middle of the park who can really dictate a game and really kind of grab games by the scruff of the neck I'm talking about your old school players the likes of your Steven Gerrards and Roy Keynes I'm not saying they need someone in that mould and in that ilk and that style of player I just mean in terms of mentality and in terms of leadership do you think they are lacking someone who is able to bark orders from the centre of the park and, and kind of pull some strings and really get the team rallied when it comes to these difficult games uh, yeah you've, you've probably got a point um I think you know the lads you mentioned uh, are outweighed by the guys who may go missing when things get tough. I think if you look at someone like you know Sissoko, um, you know he, he down tools at Newcastle when he he didn't fancy it anymore. Um, you go through the team, you know the, the defenders at the back. I think all the way around's fine, but he's you know he's knocking on now. He's he's not a regular in the team anymore. I think Davinson Sanchez, you wouldn't sort of count on him, the, the fullbacks Davis and Doherty and Aurier, I think they can go missing, so you are probably lacking a few characters um, and I think that's probably proven from you know, when they got to the, the Champions League final and, and didn't um, and didn't win it you know, then all of a sudden mm. players started leaving and they, within a year of the Champions League final, the coach and probably the best, well, one of the top three players in uh, Christian Eriksen decided to leave and that's just like for me, that just says there's not enough belief in Spurs that they can go and win things. I think they, they treated that final as a bit of a fluke and a bit of a free shot. Um, and I think when you're trying to get through in a tough a tough game like last night, I don't think they've got quite what, what it takes to um, to sort of mentally see it out and and to um, you know have enough sort of steel about them. And I think that's, that's not something you can solve quickly because um, if you... You know, it takes bringing in players who have that mentality. You look at Bruno Fernandes at, at, at Man United and the impact he's had, um, and it's that kind of that impact that you have to have at Spurs because they aren't. You wouldn't say they were ever favourites to win a tournament at the minute, um, even though they're good enough to go and do it because they just, you know, spurs it up as as everybody <laughs> says, and it's it, it must great on them because they they know the talents there. Um, but also, how long is the talent going to be there when you carry on not winning things? On the on the leadership point, I, I'm going to say something controversial, and I don't think Kane is a very good leader. I don't. Th- I think it's quite a route one English football style of leadership. Like again, that Amazon documentary did sort of lift a lid on that a wee bit, but he just kind of seems to be like, right, come on, lads, let's go, let's go into these, you know. And I don't think he 
I don't think he has the the sort of sophistication to lead a team at the top of European football. Do you think that's because that, as Marley says, Tottenham haven't won anything? Do you think if Tottenham had won a trophy by now and Kane had been at the forefront of that and, you know, maybe scored a goal in a final or just fired them to the final in general, do you think that if he had had that taste of silverware and had got his hands on a trophy as the captain of Spurs, do you think he will have a little bit more fire inside him to do well? Because I'm sure he does really want to win a trophy for Tottenham. Of course he does. But I just think that until you've done that and experienced that, it's hard to ignite the fire within you and, and kind of really fuel that hunger to, to want to do it again and again. Yeah, and it's also it's also his credibility to the other players, especially if, if Spurs make a big money signing, you know, from some other top European club and then Harry Kane is supposed to lead that player and, and you know, if Harry Kane's never done it, if he's only ever just come come so close and then fallen short, you do wonder if that if that starts to trickle down. You know, he, he does seem guilty, I think, of trying to do everything on the pitch himself, um, which suggests that he doesn't think that he's got much support around him. Um, I just, I don't, there's a lot of kind of pressure on him and, and, you know, Harry Kane is Tottenham's leader and England's leader, but, you know, his leadership doesn't seem to be being very good, <laughs> is, is my thought. It's a fair enough comment, but I think that maybe if he, if he had lifted a trophy, like, I mean, I'm thinking of the likes of John Terry at Chelsea, who was winning trophies um, alongside top players at a very mm. young age before he even became captain. I think like, you know, Terry was alongside Marcel Desailly, who had just won the World Cup for France and went to Chelsea. And, you know, that's yeah. someone who you learn your trade off. And then he kind of, I suppose, picked up leadership skills from there. And you just wonder who Harry Kane over the years at Tottenham, who mm. he's picked up those leadership skills from. And maybe it's a, a long-term issue that Tottenham have got in terms of a mentality within the football club. Anyway, enough about Spurs. What about Everton? Unfair for them to win the game 5-4 and us to hardly talk about them. I thought Dominic Calvert-Lewin was excellent again. I just thought in general Everton showed some real heart and desire. I actually picked them to be um, my surprise FA Cup winners for this season, Marley. Um, do you think they have got it in them to go all the way? Um, probably not, but as long as they're in it, you know what I mean? <laughs> they've, they've, got, they've got the game to beat anyone on any day, I think, Everton. Um, I, th- I do think they've got the potential to, uh, to cause an upset because they do have talent in that squad and... Uh, you know they didn't prove it defensively last night, but to put five five goals past Spurs, even though they defended poorly, Spurs, you know it still takes some some firepower. And you know Calvert Lewin got on the score sheet. You know they got goals from midfield as well. I think Richarlison got a couple, which is good for him because you know he's one of the main goal scorers in that team. Um, but yeah, I think you know they'll they'll cause issues, but I don't think they're potential winners just because. Um, I think there's, basically as long as Man City are in a competition, I think they're going to win it. That's that's basically what it is because uh, I can't see anyone beating them. But <laughs> you know, why not? Why not? Why not have a go? Like Everton, as I said on on yesterday's podcast, teams that are um, going well in the league and also not expected to win the league should should properly go for the FA Cup. Mm. And I think Everton will do that. Um, whether they get there or not is another thing, but they'll certainly uh, certainly go for it, and so they should. I think you're right with what you say about teams that are doing well in the league, because uh, I think Leicester was another side that I kind of thought might do well in the FA Cup this year, and we'll talk about them a little bit later on in the podcast. But Everton 5, Tottenham 4, final score at Goodison Park last night. The Toffees through to the quarterfinals of the FA Cup, Tottenham 
out of the competition. From Tottenham to Swansea and Manchester City last night, Marley's just mentioned them there. In their victory in South Wales by three goals to one, they became record breakers. They broke an over 100 year record, I think it was, set by Preston in the 1890s, which is in the very embryonic stages of the Football League as we know it now, uh, with 15 wins in a row. That 3-1 win at the Liberty Stadium means it's now 15 wins on the spin in all competitions for Manchester City. A brand new record, breaking that record that has been set for over 100 years. They're looking imperious at the moment, Callum. Do you think this is a sign of things to come? Can you see them slowing down? First of all, lovely use of the word embryonic there. Enjoyed that immensely. Um, <laughs> I think, yeah, I, they look kind of indestructible, don't we? I mean, it's that Liverpool game was probably the game that, that you would have thought that it would have come to an end and then kind of sailed through that with not too many problems. And, and looking at the fixtures coming up, I, you know... It, We've got Gladbach in the Champions League. That's not the most difficult tie. I think. I think it could stretch. It could be a record that we absolutely smash. To be honest, um, you think so? Because I think the next six or seven fixtures in the Premier League, you've got five of the top seven to come. So the likes of West Ham, you still got to play. There's a Manchester derby coming up in early March as well, um, which might well be the kind of the the second hand on the Premier League trophy. Let's just say. Yeah, um, and you know what? We have slipped up uh, at West Ham in very recent memory. Um, they're probably I'm probably more worried about them than, than Man United. I think there's just that there's a City are going through the gears sort of progressively. They seem to get better every time they play, and that that momentum and that you know the the team spirit that's clearly there. All the problems from early in the season are like a distant memory now. It's it's kind of unbelievable, and I think I think Pep should get immense credit for for how he sort of solved all the issues that were clearly there early in the season, and he's got them back playing to to like they were you know the season with the hundred points and the mm. the the other records that were broken. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's uh, I think it'll be a few more games at least before before it all comes crashing down. Yeah, can I also just say as well, I've kind of been reasonably vocal on Twitter about Jurgen Klopp this week as well. And I actually said on the podcast earlier this week about uh, Jurgen Klopp um, not being as good a manager as Pep Guardiola and kind of recent form dictating to me that I think Pep is a better manager than Jurgen Klopp. Um, but I also want to say I didn't realise that Jurgen Klopp had been going through a personal issue. His mother actually passed away um, and that could be a reason as to why he's been quite prickly with the reporters in recent times. So um, yeah, best wishes to Jurgen Klopp. Not that he will listen to this, but I'm sure that it will be appreciated nonetheless um, as he's going through a difficult time and that kind of explains perhaps some of his behaviours on the touchline when it comes to answering questions uh, when his team aren't doing particularly well either. So uh, best wishes to him. But back to a Manchester City uh, viewpoint, Marley. How big is that achievement of 15 wins in a row in all competitions? Um, I know they have faced sides like Swansea City and Cheltenham Town in the FA Cup, um, but you can only beat who's put in front of you. And in this season where we're seeing sides getting beat pretty much every weekend on a regular basis in unexpected defeats. I mean, we can use Liverpool as an example for that. You know, look at the, the way that their form has dipped this campaign. How big of an achievement is that for Man City to do it in this season of all seasons? Um, I think it's it just sort of brings it back home that they are, you know, they're not miles off Liverpool. I think when Liverpool won the league last year, I think no matter how you've good, how good you've been the season before, in terms of Man City, I think there's always like a question of how good are Liverpool? You know, are they going to leave us behind this year again? Um, and it's like a, I think it's like a mental boost that they've, you know, had a, had a rough start and they did. They, I think they were like 14th after seven games or something, and then they've just absolutely blown everyone away. And that's 
testament to the mental side of things. I think, you know, we talked about Spurs before. You know, this, this is what teams, other teams in the Premier League don't have. This is what Spurs don't have. They don't have that gear to go into where they just think, right, we're up for this fight. We're not giving this away. Liverpool, uh, you know, were looking very good earlier in the season when they they were sort of uh, top of the league or there and thereabouts. Um, and City just, something clicked with, I think, with, with City and they've just went, right, okay, um, we're going to sleepwalk into, you know, our title challenge failing if we don't pick up some wins quickly and all of a sudden they've won 15 in a row. Um, it doesn't seem like they're, I mean, you mentioned Cheltenham Town there, but Cheltenham were probably the closest team to beating them in all that in all that run, which is <laughs> yeah, a weird thing. You know, I think it was Foden, was it Foden and Jesus who got them out of trouble that day, but ended up winning it three one. I think in the end, minutes, but yeah. you know, it is it is what it is. I don't know. I was more annoyed about the Cheltenham fans spending eight grand on a Man City <laughs> banner in their own stadium. <laughs> I wasn't a fan of that. Um, but yeah, I mean, they've just. They've just gone to another level now, um, and fair enough. You know this run seems to have, you know, they've got one hand on the title at the minute. You know, what are they seven clear of Liverpool, four clear of, of Man United with the game in hand, and have to play Man United soon. So it could easily be, you know, thirteen um, from Man United and and ten from Liverpool when uh, when that happens. Uh, sorry, thirteen from Liverpool as well. So when that happens, you, you're not backing them to uh, to blow the league from that position. So. Yeah. yeah, fair play to them. Yeah, I mean, if they can establish a gap, um, then I think that they probably do have the box seat, let's just say. Uh, Swansea are going well in the Championship, so, I mean, we're talking about a side who could well be in the Premier League next season, and again, Manchester City, um, a couple of opportunities early on which they didn't take, but I think the thing that stood out for me, Callum, was the academy talent on the pitch for City. Now, we've spoken about Phil Foden. We don't need to go across him again. We know exactly how good he's been recently and we've rightly discussed it. But the likes of Tommy Doyle um, in the side as well, making an impression. How beneficial do you think it is to have the likes of Foden and Doyle and, and Harwood Bellis, I think, is on loan at the moment, but he's been involved. And, and players like that who have barely been involved really I think up until now since Pep's come in I think in terms of Manchester City's academy graduates you've had some good ones in the past like uh, Micah Richards and a, and a mm-hmm. few others but in general it feels like now is a more fruitful period for Manchester City when it comes to academy talent. I think it is I think uh, that's that was always going to happen with the the level of investment that they brought in and you know and when Pep came it was very clear that he wanted all the teams at Man City from the senior men's team right down to the the boys teams to all play in the same way so that there could be this sort of natural progression and that's that's pretty common across Europe but I, you know I know that Man City do everything at a kind of accelerated level and, and producing youth talent is definitely one of them it's it's hard in games like this though sometimes to judge because by the time Doyle and you know Claudio Gomez came on as well by the time they actually come onto the pitch the game's been won um, so it's a bit of a free hit for them but there's also not too much pressure and um, I know I know Doyle is very keen to get to get a goal in City Colours given his, his name and he's kind of Man City royalty and who his dad is and stuff um, I thought Gomez it was nice to see him but I think he was probably at fault for the Swansea goal um, so yeah I think the more the more competitions that we're in which is obviously almost all of them um, the more chances these kids will get and, and you know I think having Foden in the squad, training with him every day, he's the shining example of where you can get to, isn't he, really? And how quickly you can get there if you're good enough. So mm. I think that, that will trickle down to all the, all the other youngsters that are there. And I think that it's important to mention as well, we're discussing these young players because, you know, they're British and Irish players, Foden, uh, Harwood Bellis, Doyle, the like. 
but also there's plenty of overseas talent in the City Academy I think as well like for instance something which kind of Chelsea did when Abramovich first went in there in 2003 was establish an academy and hoover up the best young talent from the local area obviously it's slightly more competitive I think in the greater Manchester area with Man United and some other clubs as well kind of sniffing around for players Liverpool and Everton etc but I think we'll also see some some young talent from overseas come through City in the coming years I don't know what you think about that yeah, I mean, academies have proved to be quite a profitable kind of side business for football clubs. And, and whatever you think about the kind of ethics of that, I know Chelsea get slammed for how many of their players. And for City, of, actually, yeah. in recent weeks. Well, I was going to say, we kind of very much are doing are doing the same thing. And if you if you look across some of the Premier League teams and some of the players that are playing really well, like, you know, uh, Douglas Luiz at Villa is a, is a good example of a player that we brought to this country, trained him up. There was problems with his work permit, but he never played a proper full game for Man City. Mm-hmm. Um, and now he's now he got obviously got sold to Villa for, I think it was like 10 million quid. And, and that's great. That pays for him and about four others. So it's, it's a business. Um, like, let's not, you know, beat around the bush about that. Obviously, we'd like them all to come from Stockport, like uh, Phil Foden. <laughs> Um, but I think yeah I think it's just the way big modern football clubs work right now Man City probably one of the best at doing it yeah absolutely and I think we'll see uh, more young talent come through the City ranks as well they're through to the next stage of the FA Cup 3-1 victory over Swansea but still a couple of FA Cup ties to discuss which took place yesterday one of them involving two Premier League sides we'll do it next here on Football Social Daily Football Social Daily subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode Listen to the latest Premier League news, updates and match reports now. Just ask Open Sport Social. Welcome back. This is Football Social Daily. I'm Niall Marley and Callum alongside me. Time to discuss Leicester 1 Brighton 0, an all-Premier League affair in the FA Cup fifth round, which took place last night. It was Kelechi Iheanacho's 90th minute winner that settled it, a 1-0 victory for the Foxes. He said it was too cold for extra time, uh, therefore he scored. I mean, I'm not quite sure how much I believe that. Those sorts of comments always come off uh, more cool when you've smashed it in from 25 yards and not headed it in from pretty much underneath the crossbar. But still, um, a good win for Leicester, an important win for them if they are to win silverware this season. Um, And probably in terms of avoiding that extra 30 minutes for fitness uh, after what's been a rigorous period in recent weeks. I wanted to start, Marley, though, by talking about Brighton. What do you think this shows about them? Obviously, it's never nice to concede in the 90th minute, and there have been some, there has been some analysis over whether they went to sleep from the, the corner uh, that resulted in the Leicester goal. But I don't think a few months ago, Brighton would have taken Leicester so close, whether it be FA Cup, whether it be league or any other competition. I think that they've definitely toughened up in recent weeks, and Graham Potter deserves credit for that because they seem to have found a bit of form and... I think if this game was a few months ago, it would have been a far easier day at the office for Leicester, let's just say. Yeah, I think there's there's a definite improvement in Brighton um, over the last sort of three or four weeks. Um, and the, yeah, I think they proved it last night. I think, like you say, if this game was six weeks ago, Leicester would have won three or four nil, I think. Um, I think Brighton changed a few players last night as well. I think, um, you know, they put some, I think they put the, uh, the Polish lads in. I think, is it Karbownik at the back or someone? Um, and Moder in midfield, I think they had both of them. Um, and they, they they weren't the team that went and beat Liverpool, so it's not like they properly went for the full 11. And they still took Leicester pretty close, and Leicester started Vardy, you know. Um, started Vardy, they had Madison on the bench, they started a couple of young lads as well, but it was still what, what I would call like a stronger Leicester team than it was Brighton. I think Brighton rotated a bit more, but they still they still matched up pretty well. I thought it was a fairly decent game. Um 
you know, with uh, with how how things went. I think Brighton will be gutted to to lose it late on, but you know, Leicester Leicester can do that. I think uh, Ihinacho was, you know, he's not the best striker, but he's very good at in in the box. You know, he's always he can sniff out a goal. I think um, he doesn't do much other than sort of score. Like he doesn't get involved in. Don't tell Callum know. that he loves him. I just <laughs> I just want to see him do well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I like to see him do well as well, but it's he's not. It's just it's hard when you got Vardy at the club, isn't it? Because everyone's compared to him as well, and you know obviously he's not as good as Vardy. But by the way, on still... on that point, sorry, I think I don't think he natural meant to be in the position that he was in for that 90th minute winner when they took the <laughs> when they took the, the kind of short corner. He was kind of dossing around, not even looking, and then <laughs> and it just kind of came to, him. to yeah. claim yeah, that he yeah, didn't yeah, want yeah. extra time. That's why he scored. Can't believe it. <laughs> kind of respect enough, the I think, there. To, to be right. fair, after watching 89 minutes of of a game that was okay, but still ultimately nil nil, I think nobody wanted, watching the match wanted uh, 30 more minutes of it. <laughs> Either, either to be fair but yeah you know Brighton will Brighton. I don't think Brighton will be that sort of disheartened by this result I think it, it proves that you're uh, you know you're not even though your league position is poor you know you're not exactly cannon fodder for the big teams you're not getting you know smashed four and five by teams that are you know up mm. in that sort of title title battle royal up there so you know fair enough yeah and that will give them confidence Marley considering that their probably aim now is just to simply stay up in the Premier League and they've got a bit of a cushion to do so as well yeah you know they've they've got confidence which is massive in when you're down there you know they're the one they're probably one of those informed teams in the Premier League right now um so they won't be fretting and thinking can Fulham catch us and what are Fulham going to do this weekend because they're thinking themselves well we're we've beaten this lot we've beaten Liverpool we've beaten um, a few decent teams lately, so let's uh, let's concentrate on ourselves a bit more and uh, and try and get the results to pull us away and finish more than uh, above fifteenth, where they finished the last two years in a row. I said earlier on in the show, Callum, that I fancied Everton to be sort of surprise cup winners, and I also chucked Leicester into that bracket as well. I mean, Leicester really, with the way that they're playing at the moment under Brendan Rodgers, I mean, I think it's unlikely that they're going to win the title. Um, I think that they're probably focused on finishing in the top four, but there's no reason with the way that they are playing and the quality that they've got and the quality that they've shown for over 20 games this season that they, they could be eyeing the FA Cup. And, you know, it, it may be for the fans should be something that they should be going for. Absolutely. I mean, look at the teams that are left in the FA Cup. Obviously, there's there's the two Manchester teams uh, and Chelsea as well and, and Everton. And I think Leicester, Leicester have shown they can beat all of those teams uh, in the last season or two. And I think uh, for a club like Leicester to try to continue... They're, in a, they're actually quite a funny one, obviously, because they had the big... Premier League win and they've kind of not won anything or come quite as close as that and that was supposed to be you know was that going to be the start of this glorious new dynasty at Leicester or, or were they just kind of kind of revert to type and they've sort of reverted to being like a very good top four kind of challenger club and I think you know a, a, an FA Cup or a League Cup or whatever it, it was could could really announce them on that stage kind of like it did for Man City back when they won the FA Cup in was it 2011 and then that sort of you know announced them there you know Leicester need to sort of show that maybe the league title wasn't a fluke um so yeah to answer your question in a more succinct way they absolutely should be going for this and they absolutely could win it well they managed to see off brighton last night in the fifth round leicester won brighton nil 90th minute winner from kelechi inacho who said it was too cold for extra time um <laughs> i'd tell you what it was pretty cold last night so i will give him credit there uh, they managed to get the job done the foxes as did sheffield united in their game against championship opposition they beat bristol city by a goal to nil. The Blades threw, but it was a pretty close game against Bristol City. 
Do you think an FA Cup run, Marley, will give them something to look forward to this season? Almost the opposite of what we were just saying there about Brighton. Sheffield United are obviously in the relegation zone and they'll still feel that they can get out of it, particularly with the form of Fulham and West Brom lately. But certainly it seems unlikely that they will stay up. So do you think that the fans will be, you know, they wouldn't be adverse to a a, a little FA Cup run this season? I think if you offered any Sheffield United fan... uh you know, any sort of success, then yeah, absolutely, they'll be they'll be wanting to take it. I think if you think back to where Sheffield United's run started, um, this, this little improvement, I think it started with a, an FA Cup win um, and they beat someone, mm-hmm. I can't remember it was now, in the third round or something. They, they, it was w- Bristol Rovers, I think it was actually, interestingly. Was it? Is that so the they one? played Bristol clubs. They did at the Memorial Ground, that's yeah, I'm pretty sure it was, yeah. Well, there you go then, you know, that's... That win gave just gave them a bit of confidence, and then they went and beat Newcastle, and then they went and beat Man United a couple of weeks later, and then you know they beat West Brom, and then all of a sudden they're starting to think about can we get out of this? And that's just the important thing that that cup wins, no matter who it's against, give you. Um, and last night, you know, they beat Bristol City, um, and they, you know, that that'll give them more confidence because Bristol City are in. Uh, a division that Sheffield United might be in next season, so it's not like there's that much between the teams in terms of uh, league position. I think you know you're talking like 12 places or something. So it's not as if like you've gone to a a League Two team and pounded them. Um, so it'll give Sheffield United confidence that they are, you know, comfortably um, sort of comfortable against teams from the division below, and then they can they can have a go at uh, at you know continuing this this little run of uh, confidence they've got right now because, you know, time's running out, as we've said a lot um, on the podcast, you know, time is not on their side. But, you know, that's that's the situation you've got to deal with because you've got to throw everything at every competition because everything is a win. It doesn't matter whether you win against a League Two team or a, or a Premier League title challenger. Like, that confidence is, is huge at the bottom of the league. And as soon as Sheffield United got that first win, um, in 2021 against Bristol City, uh, Bristol Rovers, mm. they then went on a little run. So that just proves what it can do for you. Yeah, they've beat both Bristol sides actually in the FA Cup this season with that one nil victory over Bristol City yesterday. What do you think Chris Wilder's viewpoint on it all would be, Callum? I mean, we're talking about what the fans might want, and Marley says you know they'll kind of snap your hand off for any sort of success because it has been a pretty miserable season for them so far. I mean, they could get through to the to the quarterfinals. I think the quarterfinals is the next stage of the competition, isn't it? So, I mean, what's what's the kind of thought process there? Do you think from Chris Wilder? I think you know, obviously, he'd, he'd much prefer to stay in in the division, but I. Having a cup run, it really galvanises everyone at the club. You know, there's a really good mood. It's what you do with that mood then, as, as Molly said, it can kind of success breed success. He'll be saying to them, right, cool, you're now in a quarterfinal of a cup competition. Let's start playing like that team in the league. Um, there was, I thought they were good last night. I thought they created chances. I think David McGoldrick did keep trying to score from like super far out, which was really odd. But um, yeah, and, and just trying to score, David. Yeah, McGoldrick. I know. Doesn't matter where, <laughs> where I'm from. Um, I also, I also wanted to just point out. I was determined to get this mentioned. How disgusting the Bristol City away kit is. That horrible purple and lime green thing. Anyway, um, I tell you what, that's not the first time they've done it. By the way, Callum, I think they've had four or five kits in their history that are like really? that. It's genuinely oh their their go-to away kit colours. Seriously. Well, do you know what? That actually, I, I can excuse them a little bit if that's a tradition and not just some kind of newfangled, oh, we'll, we'll make something just mad. Um, but yeah, des- deserve to lose because of that. No, I think I think Sheffield United, <laughs> it, 
again, it's kind of uh, the cup run for any team this season is always going to be a little bit bittersweet when you can't have the fans there because that's who it's for, really. Do you know what I mean? Um, but yeah. yeah, it'll be Wilder. Wilder will have taken that and gone. You're now a quarterfinal FA Cup team. Let's go and play like that in the league next week against whoever they've got. Yeah, I think that Sheffield United will hopefully take a bit of confidence from that. I do like them as a club. I do like Chris Wilder as a manager. I wonder just how much focus he will be placing on the FA Cup now that his side are through to the quarterfinals. And we still need to find out who yet will make the rest of the quarterfinals in terms of the bracket for the competition because there are two more games involving Premier League sides taking place tonight. And we'll talk about it next here on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. To hear the latest Premier League news for your team, just ask Open Sport Social. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Niall Callum and Marley alongside me. Time to talk about the two games that are taking place tonight involving Premier League sides in the FA Cup fifth round. Of course, Premier League action does return at the weekend and we'll have a full preview show for you very early on Saturday morning if you're a UK listener. So make sure you hit subscribe and that way you won't ever miss an episode of the show. A full rundown of all the weekend's top flight games, but FA Cup action for the time being. And we'll start at tonight's 5.30 kickoff an all Premier League affair between Wolves and Southampton, do you think this game takes on a little bit more importance, Marley, than just a place in the next round of the FA Cup, considering the, the form that the two sides are in? Uh, yeah, I think it's it's important for both sides, this one tonight, because, you know, um, it might not seem like anyone's got any form, but it's the perfect time to start getting some form. I think Southampton have, have struggled really with with injuries um, a lot, but they had a few back for the Newcastle game at the weekend, and obviously I watched that one the full 90 minutes, and they were very good against Newcastle. Um, attacking wise defensively they were shocking but um, it was just individual mistakes and I, I don't think that's the biggest issue when you're trying to um, like improve on a performance because individual mistakes can easily be cut out it's not like Newcastle were opening them up from you know everywhere on the pitch it was it was always leading from a mistake um, and I think they're kind of easier to eradicate than just being not good enough um, as we know Southampton are good enough so I think they they'll see this tonight as a chance to to stop the rot. You know, I just talked about Sheffield United just before the break there, and uh, you know how they had a cup run, a cup game that gave them confidence. And I think Southampton, albeit not they're not in as bad a position as Sheffield United, it's kind of the same impact if they can go and beat Wolves tonight. And um, it's a it's a sort of it's one of them games. It's a free hit. You're not expected to win the, the win the competition, so you you see it as what it is, in which is a um, a chance to to sort of stop that slump and get some confidence running through the club again because you know the injuries have, have decimated them pretty much so if they go for this it depends on what team Ralph, Ralph Hasenhutl puts out I suppose because you know he might see it as a chance to uh, to rest some of his his key players and try and go for the uh, you know, focus on the league game at the weekend but if he does uh, start the top the top players you know your Ingses and your Ward Prouses and players like that I think uh, they'll have a chance in beating Wolves because Wolves aren't aren't in great form even though they beat uh, they beat Arsenal not so long ago didn't they and uh, they, they've sort of had a little bit of an improvement um, in the last few weeks but they're not sort of uh, they're not thriving they're not the Wolves of last season or the season before so they're there to be to be beaten I think um, so it should be it's an interesting one because I think it all depends on what teams get put out. I think um, I think Southampton might just think, you know, let's uh, let's go for the league because 
I mean, I think they've got like 11 injuries, which is a joke, but you've got to deal with it, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, in terms of form, I think Southampton are in worse form. They haven't won since the 9-0 loss to Manchester United. They lost the game after that as well. So they're still looking for a bounce back from that. Um, so, so, I mean, it's hard to, to pick a winner in this game. I mean, I think probably a couple of months ago, Callum, everyone would have said, well, Southampton will win this because Wolves aren't doing great. But even though Wolves aren't doing great, they've been consistently not great and they've been in 14th for what feels like an eternity. But for Southampton, it's gone from being top of the league in November to now in the bottom half of the Premier League table and trying to stop the rot. They're a bit erratic, aren't they? Um, the thing about this game is both teams on their day... See, on their day, both teams have an amazing like attack and Wolves especially can can really put some teams to the sword. I know they've not done it like this season, but they, they certainly have kind of last season and, and in the years since they've been in the top flight. And I think, I don't know, I, I, would, just, I would just really hope for for a good game where they both come and attack each other because we could we could get you know something similar to what we saw at Goodison uh, last night. So yeah, I'm I'm kind of looking forward to this one. I I still haven't I always watch Wolves and I'm always a bit excited to see what they do. They've not really performed this season, but you know, it's a, it's a one-off cup game. It's kind of a free hit against a team who are properly suffering uh, a real low after yet another 9-0. Um, so, yeah, my you say it's hard to call. I'm going to just throw my weight behind Wolves and hope they go and smash them. Uh, I'm, yeah, me too. Uh, I hope they absolutely smash them. I'm glad you said that. <laughs> I, I was going to say I don't care, and then I realised, actually, I really do care, do care a lot. Uh, come on, the Wolves. 5.30pm kickoff. Wolves against Southampton. FA Cup fifth round. The final game... 5.30 on a Thursday night. How weird is that? FA Cup? Get the team Jesus. news during the chase. It's perfect. What's by, by the way, just on that, yesterday I was trying to get all my work finished for five for five thirty. Normally we finish at six, but I thought I could do it. And then at five twenty, I get asked to go on a, a call that lasted for an hour and twenty minutes. So I actually missed almost the entire game. <laughs> Bet you wish that was today. To you could have missed Wolves oh, versus Southampton. I, <laughs> I think it would have been a lot better. Uh, anyway, for the world. yeah, team news during tipping point. Everyone loves that uh, <laughs> nice afternoon break to watch the football. Uh, Barnsley versus Chelsea isn't at five thirty kickoff. That's slightly later, but that is the final game we're going to talk about and the last game of the FA Cup fifth round um, match week, I guess you could call it. Anyway, Barnsley <laughs> against Chelsea at Oakwell, which incidentally is one of the coldest football grounds I've ever been to as a football fan. Up in the away stand there at Barnsley. Um, <laughs> that was December 2019, and I remember it so vividly because I was so freezing cold uh, in the stadium. But let alone the temperatures we're seeing in the UK at the moment in the negatives so um, should be an interesting match there at Barnsley against Chelsea. Actually, Barnsley knocked Chelsea out of the 2008 FA Cup quarter-final, um, which is a famous year for them. I think they also yep. uh, knocked out the Arsenal as well that season. So they'll have fond memories of uh, of this fixture, Callum. Yes, they will. Um, this is a huge fixture for, for my flat because my flatmate is a massive Barnsley fan. Um, and he's delighted <laughs> He's delighted that they're actually on terrestrial TV and we don't have to find some dodgy stream. Um, but yeah, I think... Uh... <laughs> is your flatmate Darren Goff? <laughs> <laughs> it's the only Barnsley fan I can think of. His TV is just set to uh, Channel Quest, so you can see the uh, League Two, the League uh, EFL highlights. Um, yeah, uh, I think uh, I think Barnsley are a really good um, a really good team at the moment. Um, in t- well, they're, they're they're sort of the makings of a really good team. They were kind of relegation fodder, and then they changed their manager and and. It, Ismail, I think his name is, came in. Um, they've got mm. one of the youngest squads in the championship, but they do play quite progressive attack in football. And mm-hmm. Chelsea under Tuchel still trying to figure out who they are. So it, it could it could be the perfect time to play them if you're Barnsley, um, especially you know cold, wintry evening at Oakwell, as you say. So I'm I'm yeah. excited for this one. I think I think we'll see a really good game to be honest. 
Do you think we can read anything into that, Marley? That, you know, Thomas Tuchel's still trying to get to grips with his Chelsea side and this is the FA Cup and there's no cop- cup competition on earth like it and all that. I mean, Germany and France obviously have their own version of the FA Cup and we sometimes see teams sort of minnows doing the giant killing thing, but it's not quite the same as this country's FA Cup. Nothing quite like the British FA Cup, is it? But to be honest, um, I, I do see what people say when they when they get to that point. Do you think that Thomas Tuchel will have any issues here, though? Um, to be totally honest, mate, I think uh, Barnsley's best chance is if Thomas Tuchel doesn't know where Barnsley is and just gets lost on the way, and he's never heard of Barnsley and he, he doesn't know where it is. Um, but not at... I, you can't. I, I can't sit and realistically make a case for Barnsley doing anything. That's all right. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> I'm just gonna say it's a good job we got Callum because <laughs> I uh, I don't know what they can do to stop Chelsea. I think the way Chelsea play, you know, and dominate the possession, I think they'll they'll really struggle. Um, you're, you're probably talking seventy seventy five percent possession. Chelsea are gonna have, um, and yeah, Tuchel will just keep plugging away. I think with his with his patient style and mm. I think sometimes that doesn't work brilliantly in the Premier League because teams are um, are better equipped to, to stop you so if a Premier League team is playing you know seven or eight at the back while you're passing around yeah. they're more talented and more able to, to sort of um, frustrate you a bit rather than Barnsley who are going to be like oh Jesus mm. we can't get the ball and then someone runs out and gets passed around and then there's a gap mm. behind them and that type of thing um, so I, th- I think Chelsea will do yeah, it. Maybe. It feels like the sort of game that Giroud would start. I don't know why. I feel mm. like he's a banker to start this sort of game. I'm not sure. I mean, you obviously know a little bit more about Barnsley as you've already let us on to, Callum. Yeah. Um, uh, and Marley thinks that Chelsea will have a fair whack of possession. And I, I kind of tend to agree with him. But you say that Barnsley are progressive. So do you think that it will be a bit closer possession-wise? Or do you think that they will show Chelsea a fair bit of respect? It's funny that one, isn't it? Because like so the, the Swansea Man City game was the other example where it was this kind of you know quite stylish championship team coming up against their sort of Premiership equivalent, and mm. and yet you know Man City still took the ball and dominated possession. They dominated, didn't yeah, they? Yeah. So I think I think if um, I don't want to fall into the cliche of being like Barnsley have a big man up front, but they have just signed a massive American guy called Daryl Dyke, and he <laughs> he seems like he might be nailed on for a ninety second minute like scuffed ball into the box but he can't be any worse than jokes the altador was i mean the bar is low yeah, to be fair yeah no he's he's part of this kind of new breed of like uh u.s talent coming coming, coming to europe you know weston mckenney alfonso davies daryl dyke at barnsley um yeah so yeah i think uh, no i think it, it really it really does depend on chelsea and if they're if they're not on form barnsley will punish them because they've got the skills and, and ability and the players to do it but if Chelsea show up and go, now nah, we're going to dominate possession and we're going to squeeze the life out of this game mm. early doors, then which is what they should do, then it will be you know a foregone conclusion. But I'm hopeful. I think I'll correct you and say North American. I'm North not sure American, if you said sorry. North American, because I, I know Davis there's a few Canadian. Canadians that might get a bit annoyed about the fact that uh, you've called Alfonso Davis and uh, Jonathan right. David <laughs> Americans. They're not going to be happy. Barnsley against Chelsea tonight in the FA Cup fifth round, and then we're back onto Premier League action. But that's it for today's Football Social Daily. Cheers, Marley. Thanks, Callum. Cheers, guys. Cheers, guys. Um, Marley. Just before we go, um, how do you feel that Callum Wilson's out for six to eight weeks with a hamstring strain? Oh, it's a good job we've run out of time. Um, <laughs> our season ends here, pretty much. <laughs> How many uh, points have we got now? I'm, I'm checking the table. I think we've got like 
27 points or something. Um, I'm hoping that we've done enough because I can't see us being, beating too many more teams. You know, we've, got, oh. we've, got, we've got 25 in a 10-point gap over Fulham, so... Yeah, we get so, it's annoying. We get St. Maximum back, and then Callum Wilson's out for six to eight weeks, and then you know. I was going to say forward, that I've not um, used the swear beep for the entire episode. I was just wondering if I could manage to squeeze <laughs> it out of you at the end, but it wasn't to be. I'm sure we'll talk about the injuries to Newcastle uh, a little bit That'll later be on, on Monday this week. when we get battered. <laughs> well we'll talk about it in our preview show first i'm sure it'll be a topic of conversation on saturday morning don't forget to hit subscribe that way you won't miss another episode of the show again brand new podcast right throughout the week every single day of the premier league season so hit that follow button or subscribe or whatever it may be and that way you won't miss a single episode that's it for now we'll speak to you tomorrow on football social daily football social daily from sports social find us on instagram at sports social official Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting? Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.